0: register at packexpointernational.com You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, and welcome to Unpacked with PMMI. I'm your host, Sean Riley. Automation use in packaging and processing continues to explode, with CPGs looking to improve operations while also coping with a labor shortage. On today's episode, Sean Spees from Bosch Rexroth joins us to discuss what CPGs should ask from automation suppliers to keep up with the shifting consumer demands and with that, how they can adapt their packaging and packaging lines to stay flexible and nimble to keep up with all the changes let's have a listen
1: so with all the fancy introductions out of the way welcome to the podcast sean
2: good morning how we doing
1: we're doing good we're going to confuse some of the listeners out there with two sean's who as you noted uh, when we were talking earlier are both spelling it the correct way <laughs> so i guess to kind of kick things off um I know a, a little bit about you guys, but I guess if you could just give us a little background on Bosch Rexroth and kind of your role there, so that uh, people know exactly who they're listening to.
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so Bosch Rexroth is, you know, part of the the Bosch company uh, that was founded, uh, you know, in Stuttgart, Germany. So Rexroth um, is actually older than, than Bosch as a company itself, but uh, Rexroth is a two hundred twenty five year two hundred twenty five year old company. Um, Rexroth falls under the under the Bosch Group, um, which would be the you know the, the the drives and controls and packaging and processing. So my role with the company is uh, market segment manager for consumer packaged goods. Interesting, and that's that's a huge topic um, that we've covered a bunch of
1: because the consumers are really driving um, a lot of the changes and a lot of the, the challenges that everybody is facing in our marketplace. So I guess what are some of the challenges that you're seeing in your role that CPGs are grappling with as they're trying to keep up with all these shifting consumer demands and with that how they can kind of adapt their packaging and vis-a-vis that their packaging lines to to sort of stay flexible and nimble to keep up with it.
2: Yeah, it's a great it's a great uh, you know, great question and you know, the challenges that I've seen in in my career one is space, okay. And you know, when you look at factory automation, um, you know, space is always is always the the one thing that was the last thing thought of, right? When you're putting the line together, it's always making the product first, and then mm-hmm. when you look at the you know secondary or tertiary packaging side of it, is where there there seems to be issues. So um, there's always space constraints. Um, there's always you know um, the the labor side of it, right? So when you look at labor today. Um, you know, as far as the current workforce, um, you know, we're getting we're getting what's called <clears throat> the silver tsunami that's happening now where we're getting, you know, the baby boomer era, you know, are starting to retire. Um, so we're having the next generation of, of operators and maintenance uh, folks that are coming into play. That's creating some challenges. Um, you know, finding that labor is another challenge. Um, and then really support when you look internal and external. Um, when you look at, especially from an end user perspective, you know the 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 folks at, you know in the engineering departments and maintenance and production, they're wearing a lot of hats and they're spread really thin. So even internally, um, it's hard to support. Uh, it's hard to support projects, um, to be honest. So they're they're looking for partners out there as well. That can take these responsibilities of line design. That can take integration responsibilities, and 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 help them out. Um, but then the external side of it too is you got to find those those folks out there that can actually support uh, support the production line, support parts, have technicians available. Um, so those are some of the main challenges there. And at the end of the day, really the multiple the multiple SKUs that are coming out, right? So the, the, in, in consumer packaged goods, it's it's smaller. It's You know, we're looking at the e-commerce side of the business now where, you know, folks want to order, you know, one or two things versus 10 or, you know, and it has to be packaged in a certain way. Okay, so when you look at the flexibility of, let's say, packaging machinery, um, there's only so many, you know, so small or so big, you know, spec-wise that these machines can handle. So... Um, as you said earlier, the consumers are driving this, right? They want what they want, and the OEMs and end users have to find a way to deliver.
1: Yeah, and I guess from your standpoint or from the standpoint of the CPGs, when you're looking at all of these different ways to try and improve things or sort of in- enhance flexibility on your lines, are there places sort of low-hanging fruit that, are, that, the, that the companies can, can target that might be ripe for improvement, or areas that they can improve that'll be easier than
2: others. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the first the first item is, is changeover, right? So, and, and ease of use when you look at an overall flexibility. Um, when we're changing over from from different products or different sizes, um, you know, from the OEM side of the business, the customer being the end user. Um, they want it quick. Um, they don't have the time, you know, to do a, an eight-hour changeover for a different product. So, um, any time that can be saved to, to change over to a different product is only going to help their production numbers and get more products out the door, which is going to help profitability. You know, when you look at you know different drives and motors um, that are out there, they've got to be small. Uh, they have to be effective, you know, to fit within you know these certain machines. But really. You know the customer, the end user, operators. Just at the end of the day, they want to push a button. <laughs> That's how easy they want it is to, to push it and have the machine change over itself. So you know, flexibility and changeover is, is a is a definite need and want. Um, when you look at redirection of labor, uh, mentioned labor earlier. You know, there's a lot of operators and you know production folks that are. You know, doing jobs that, that honestly robots can do today. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm not necessarily saying we want to eliminate labor, but there's a way to redirect it. Okay. And they can go do something else within the plant to make it more productive. And, you know, that's where the robotics and, and autonomous mobile robotics, for one, come into play. Um, when you're looking at transporting pallets, for instance, you know, from the end of a production line to, the, the bay doors, uh, you know, the dock doors for loading, okay, there's robots that can uh-huh. do that now um, that are very simple to program. Um, you look at collaborative robotics. So collaborative robotic is a robot you can actually work next to, okay, where you don't need fencing and guarding um, around it, which, again, takes up space, um, and operators can, you know, walk within certain distances, or, you know, if, it, if they somehow bump into it, the robot stops, and it doesn't cause injury um, which is nice so they can do various activities such as case packing they can do activities such as palletizing if the cases are lightweight and the the, you know line speeds are slow enough so again you don't have to have a person at the end of the line picking up you know a four pound box uh, for an eight hour shift which you know could cause you know ergonomic issues um, which then you know you've got workman's comp and you've got some other some other items there so you know there's ways to, to, to do that, you know, from a labor perspective, you know, to, to redirect and then, you know, also from a safety perspective, you know, have a more productive uh, facility that way. And then the other item we're really seeing a push in right now is is mixed mixed pallets and variety packs. Okay. And going back to the consumer, um, you know, if you look at beverages, for instance, um, you know, there's, you know, different sodas and you know carbonated soft drinks and and seltzers and everything else and nobody wants the same flavor right everybody wants a different flavor they want three different flavors so again that has to come off a line production line has to be grouped into these certain flavors and has to be packaged Um, so that's another upstream process that you know that somebody has to that somebody has to do um, to get to the consumer same thing with whether it's a food product or whether it's a personal care product Um, you know, those are the demands right now that, you know, that production lines have to be flexible on um, to be able just to produce one type of product or to produce multiple that go basically in the same container.
1: Very interesting. So I guess you've really touched on a bunch of different developments in automation that are going to help CPGs. Um, Are there any that, that we haven't Touched on yet that we might have missed that are going to help them overcome the challenges to keep things flexible beyond? Um, we we talked about you talked about cobots. Um, you talked about a different ways to kind of move operators off the line into better positions. Are there any other things that are going to help make the lines even more flexible?
2: Yeah, there's from a new development standpoint in the last several years, smaller componentry is one. Okay, when we let me go back to space again, that you know there's ways to reduce your overall footprint of your current machines. Um, there's ways to reduce electrical panel space. Um, you know, depending on the type of, of, equipment that's on the line, the electrical panel can take up a large portion of that line. Okay. Which could take up, you know, walkway space, just general, general space in the plant. Okay. So there's, there's ways to reduce the overall panel space, um, with smaller drives, smaller motors. Um, so again, smaller componentry and almost going cabinetless or, or panelless. Um, you know the improvement in robotics. Um, when you look at the ease of use, uh, for instance, we're talking about the the cobots, the collaborative robots. These these can be programmed basically by you know a simple galaxy note touchpad or an ipad for instance right um so the operators don't have to go to robotics programming school (laughs) or you don't have to hire somebody um, who's got a robotics programming background to run the line it's very very simple with these it's a it's a plug and play you know type mentality Um, the autonomous mobile robots, they're able to ha- carry heavier loads, you know, up to, uh, you know, uh, a one ton capacity. When you look at linear motion, linear servo platforms, uh, one for product handling, um, you can get more flexibility out of, you know, your product transfers. Okay. For instance, when we look at flow wrap product at high speed, you're, you might be limited to the, the parameters of, you know, certain product transfers, a linear, Motion servo platform um, is more of a magnetic type uh, type application where it's on demand okay so when products are coming out at high speed these these products can you know, when you have a basically an asynchronous to a synchronous process, um, you're not limited to you know really just your handcuff to the size parameters of a machine. It's It's actually a lot more flexible that way. If that makes any sense but another main point is open architecture Um, what I mean by that is is from a control standpoint and um, you know when I mentioned earlier you know as far as the the workforce and those that are you know have been you know in in the plan environments for the last 30 40 years you know they've they've known a certain type of of controls platform Um, and whether it's here in the U.S., whether it's in uh, in Europe, um, there's different platforms, um, and some of them are very specific um, to to how that they operate. Um, when we look at open architecture, there's technology now that's here today and in in the near future where it's going to be like a smartphone. Um, you know, we, we love to, you know, grab our our cell phone and and we can you know push apps if we want to order food if we want to. You know, connect with our friends. If you know, uh, you know, you name it. We, it's everything's in an app now. What if that the whole control of the line was the same way? Okay, where you could walk up to a machine, and simply through you know, again, whether it's an iPad or a notepad or whatever it is, that an operator can just through a URL download an app and be able to extract the data that's needed or troubleshoot. Um, or you know, tie in all the pieces of the line simply through an app, app-based and cloud-based type, uh, type platform. So that's where that's where technology is moving today, and which is which is very exciting.
1: Yeah, and that's something that when we always talk about the, we're obviously an industry that's struggling to maintain a workforce and to kind of upskill. I guess is a word that we hear a lot about upskilling the workforce. Um, this is something that always pops up where we, we now have generation um, coming into the workforce or that's already here that is so used to and comfortable with things like smartphones and iPads and things like that. So there isn't really, it's actually less of a learning curve for the the workforce coming in now than it would be for previous generations, because these are things that they use every day, like you said. So having something as simple as a app-based platform is something that, you know, people have been using, these new workers have been using since they were essentially kids. So that is something that would, yeah, would obviously make it a a much more flexible line um, for people to use. And I know we, we kind of touched on some of the, um, the material handling parts of it, but I know that's such a big part of packaging. So what are some developments in the area that can, that people can use to kind of improve their flexibility there because that's such a um that can be a labor in, you even mentioned you know picking up the four pound box for eight hours that's such a labor intensive type thing or just a repetitive type thing that doesn't really need a human to do necessarily anymore if we can find better opportunities for the the human to move into a, a different part of the workforce so are there any other things in that aspect that uh, would improve flexibility
2: when you look at the material handling side um, especially conveyors um so conveyors you know at the end of the day might be viewed as a simple commodity okay a lot of a lot of manufacturers make them um, but you know when you look at you know getting your your products from point a to point z um there's a lot of you know a lot of obstacles twists and turns um you know whether or not you know certain belt you know, certain uh, conveyor belt types have to be, uh, you know, maybe frictioned or, you know, depending on the product, you don't want to damage graphics, okay, when you look at cosmetics or, you know, certain items in personal care. Um, you have to be very careful of how you handle it. Um, so, one, the flexibility to be able to provide different types of, of conveyor, um, which we call conveyor chain or plastic type chain, uh, conveyor mainly in the CPG, from the product handling side you have to have a, a you have to have a different variety of offerings there um for again when you look at cpg it's a very big uh, it's a big sandbox right i, I use a sandbox analogy there's a, and there's a lot of toys in this sandbox in, in consumer packaged goods you know when you look at food personal care beverage you know even getting into you know automotive parts or over-the-counter pharmaceuticals there's a, there's a lot to uh, a lot to play with um, but really when you look at, again, the amount of skews and sizes, you know, that's where auto adjustability or easy adjustability of these conveyor rails can be. Okay. When you have to, you know, go from, you know, 65 millimeters to 120 millimeters, let's say, or whatever that case may be. Again, going back to the changeover, um, you know, when we, when we talked auto changeover, is there a way to, to electrify that? There is, um, you know. We can electrify and and put motors on these changeover parts making it easier um or pneumatic or you know however it is but you know there's options there that we're you know we're able to provide today that that you know can can give the 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 end user a little bit more comfort in again that overall line changeover and and more uptime
1: very interesting so i guess with all of these changes and with all these advances that that we've kind of touched on um during this discussion Let's say uh, someone is coming to you. What what one piece or a couple pieces of advice do you have for CPGs that are working with you know automation or entering into to automation or have had automation in the past but are trying to improve their flexibility with all these changes? What advice do you put out there for them to to kind of help them work with their supplier?
2: Great question. Uh, yeah. So what we're seeing right now is is either either revamping. Um, of existing production lines and how can they improve efficiencies there or you know when you look at greenfield projects there's a lot more greenfields that are happening too a lot more plants are being built um you know so when you look at the overall design of the lines you know how, how can it be more efficient and how can you grow from from year to year um and not be you know you know, pigeonholed or trapped into a certain line, line space, right? So the suggestion, you know, what I would always have is find a company that, you know, can provide, you know, several different pieces of the puzzle. Um, and, a, a, you know, a company that, you know, at the end of the day, we, we buy from people we trust. Um, and companies that, you know, are well-established, um, that have that product depth, uh, one, the product depth, but the knowledge, the engineering resources and technical resources uh, to be able to support it, because you know, at, at the end of the day, the installation—you uh, know—about and I've heard this term a few different ways, but about eighty percent of the overall cost of the project is recognized after install. Yeah. So you have the concept up front, but once it's installed, it's it's the support and. That keeps that line running and, and the longevity, and that's where you see your return. So you know, this is finding that, that that company out there that can provide all of those 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 factors in to integrate a successful production line.
1: Well, that sounds awesome. So I I, I can't thank you enough, Sean, for taking time out of your day. Um, you're obviously very busy with all the things you have going on on your end um, to come on here and share some of this information that we can kind of share out with the listeners to help them you know, during this very, um, what's the word, I guess, dynamic time when things are changing so rapidly and, and people need to be so flexible. So I wanted to thank you again, Sean, for coming on the podcast with us.
2: Oh, pleasure is all mine. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, it's, it's been great. Please rate, review and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify
0: app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.